everybody. Welcome to Note Up 29. Uh, very experimental Note Up. Uh, I am Daniel Shaw, D. Shaw. I'm joined by Max Ogden. What up, Internet? Uh, James Holiday, Substack. <coughs> and uh, Vishnu. Yo. Uh, today we are sponsored by Clock and Node Knockout. Um, and we're going to do a... Um, NodeConf Summer Camp Retrospective and a little bit of a preview. And then we're going to do this crazy idea where we're going to try to do call-ins and invite uh, friends from the Internet to, uh, to join us on the podcast. And nothing could go wrong with that, right? So uh, hopefully that will be good. Um, I've had a few people uh, email their stuff in. Um, make sure you get in touch with CJM. Uh, if you're on the IRCs. So uh, let's get into summer camp last year. Um, summer camp kicked off with a, a bus ride out into the middle of nowhere. and uh, Well, to preface, actually, this will be the third year of doing events at Walker Creek Ranch. That's right. That's so right. the first year was not Node-related. It was actually the couch camp for CouchDB. And at the time, Michael Rogers... Uh, was working in Oakland. We actually took a bus from Oakland up there to Walker Creek Ranch, and it was amazing. It was the first time that uh, most people had been to that ranch. It was the first time that there was a nerd event there. The venue itself is a summer camp for seventh graders. It's literally a summer camp. Uh, so you very much get the vibe of, uh, you know, it, you, you're at a, a summer camp location. If you've ever been to summer camp, you feel right at home, and uh, you have little little huts and, <laughs> and tents, and it's it's crazy. They warn you about bears and raccoons, <laughs> coyotes. Uh, yeah, so this will be the third year in a row that I've gone up there. It's my favorite event, not to sound too promotional about it, but it's the best thing in terms of tech-related conferences, and I, I don't think the word conference really does it justice. Yeah, totally. But it's my favorite one of the year, and uh, I go to a ton of conferences. That I, and I only try to go to conferences that I think are going to be fun and interesting and give you a lot of social mixing time and you know actually meet the community, and I think that nothing really is at the same level as Couch Camp because it's in an area that's completely gorgeous, natural beauty. Uh, you're isolated with a group of nerds that you only really interact with online most of the time, and... There's no cell phone signal. <laughs> yeah, no cell phone signal, limited internet, so uh, you uh, don't get you know pulled into work stuff or anything like that. You're just uh, you're just there uh, discussing you know what's going on um, with uh, with your life and, and sharing, uh, geeking out and sharing. So yeah, it's it's totally amazing. And um, turns out Substack is a pretty mean uh, kickball player. I don't know about that. <laughs> Very friendly. He, he, <laughs> he showed displays of dexterity unknown to the rest of humanity last year on the Foursquare field as well. Or Foursquare court, I guess it would be. Uh, He's got long arms. They uh, <laughs> get the low angle shots, taking people out. Very athletic. So, uh, yeah, we, we uh, get to, uh, to summer camp and uh, we had you know, free time to just, you know, Hang out and meet everybody. Uh, there's a uh, uh, baseball-y field, and we played uh, kickball and uh, Foursquare. Um, what what the hell is Foursquare? Most like it's not. We're not talking about like everybody checking into um, right. You know, the app. When we yeah, we should mention kick, 
it's a playground game. Like at, at a lot of American, you know, elementary and middle schools, there's this this uh, these these squares and they're laid out in a grid and there's four of them on the pavements and two by two grids. It's cheap to do, but kids just like get a cheap bouncy ball and for their recess time just punt it back and forth between the squares. And there's rules and such, but those aren't as important. It actually took us, I had to say, the first day of camp to actually figure out what the rules really are. And uh, there was a lot of node-related jokes that were going on because we had two courts and one line. And so it was a constant, like, flow control, <laughs> jokes, should have used threads, you know, are we going to spawn up a coroutine? What's the flow control for this line? Look at what, what module are you using? I promise I'm going to play in the next, you know, all sorts of really bad puns. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, I also, at summer camp last year, uh, bonded with members of the community who I had, had previous, previously not thought I would be bonding with. Uh, for instance, Merrick Squires. If you're out there listening, I used to think you were a giant jerk. Let's be honest. You would uh, call me neckbeard in IRC. Uh, I never really hung out with you or met you, but summer camp, we're now friends, uh, good friends, in fact. And at summer camp last year was the first time I got to throw a dodgeball at you, and that really brought us onto a level playing field. So there's nothing to gel a nerd community like being able to interact in nature with each other, I think, and summer camp is a beautiful example of that. Right now. So, um, what, what were some of the, the highlight topics uh, that, we, uh, that we discussed last year? I remember Ryan, uh, as we all sat in or under a tree outside in this kind of like shady spot, Ryan talked about uh, domains for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it was all very experimental. And before they had even been implemented, uh, he talked about what they were and there was a big discussion about just error handling in general. Right. So now they're landed, so maybe we can uh, get some initial feedback because I don't, I think much like streams, it took until 06 and a half until people actually like started using streams. Right. And domains just landed in 08, so maybe it'll be until, it'll be a while before it gets a lot of uptake, I think, but. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, you know, for for us, uh, for example, at, at Voxer, we uh, still haven't been able to deploy um, Node 8 fully. Um, we've been having issues with the, the TLS uh, and uh, buffer allocation mm -hmm. at, uh, at at peak load that uh, is is not pleasant. Oh um, yeah. And so it's it's, it's been a, a deal breaker. We've been we've been uh, gradually rolling it out, but we had to uh, pull the plug because of some behavior that we were seeing at high load. So hopefully we'll get that sorted out. Uh, definitely looking forward to introducing more domains. But yeah, some of that stuff that you know, you really need to be uh, in the mix and you know, totally on the platform to to really roll that out. Oh, and uh, Mr. DNK in IRC mentions that more tutorials would be awesome on domains and using them, and Absolutely. some of the newer features. It's it's hard to keep up if you're only reading the Git commits on the joint node repo. But yeah, we should uh, try to make sure all these new fancy new hotness things in Node Core are properly tutorialized. Right. I, I think we're going to do a, a domain show. Hopefully, we'll uh, you know have a few uh, different people who have uh, been doing some some real world experimentation with that and 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 gotten it out there. As soon as uh, we get up on uh, eight, uh, I'll be de uh, deploying some stuff using domains at, at Vox as well. So uh, that will be good. 
Subzak, have you been uh, using domains yet? Are you on eight? Nope. No. no. What? Well, I've got Nave installed, so I have point eight. But it's just binary modules are such. They're so painful, especially when you have a lot of code mm -hmm. and you have to test everything, and you don't have the people to just throw at these kinds <laughs> of migration problems. Right. Um, yeah, I wish I had those people too. <laughs> gather, gather is on 08, but we don't really have that many users yet, so we don't really count. But we right. did, we, we did agree soon. Like by 083, we were like, we better upgrade because we don't want to. We maintain a lot of modules, and it's hard to maintain backwards compatibility and things like buffer concat that mm -hmm. simplify like buffer concat landed in 08 made it so you don't need to use a module anymore to do that kind of thing and that's really nice from a code simplicity standpoint so just from a maintenance standpoint that each node release gets better and better because it kind of uh, paves over these common use cases that shouldn't be modules but are modules anyway so Travis yeah I can help with that I know that's how I'm rolling out uh, node zero eight support. Oh, excellent! I put you know zero six and zero eight in the tra in the in the Travis YAML file, and then Travis can check all that for me. And I do try to run those myself too, just because you get into weird issues where you have a slightly different version of a node module in your local thing. So it's nice to have that externalized. Um, is um, is Something like Seaport, is that going to help you, uh, you know, do a rolling deploy of eight, or will you need to stop the world and uh, go forward with that? Um, we don't have to stop the world, but we need to test the pieces, mm -hmm. um, and that's just, you know, at that point we might as well just roll everything over at the same time once we tested it. Right. It's, yeah. it's actually harder for us to maintain two versions of things because, like, sure. oh, that server crashed, but wait, what version of Node is it running? Is that Absolutely. related to the upgrade? Is that just unrelated? Is you know, What's going on here? I don't even know. Right. Yeah, so we, we uh, progressively roll things out. Uh, we had uh, um, a few of our servers rolled out on, on Node 8, but... Uh, you know, ended up having to to scale it back, and I think um, you know we've got all of our experiments shut down over you know the holiday day weekend now. But hopefully after summer camp we'll uh, pick that up again. So domains was amazing, and you know that was a, a key thing. Um, I think people were more excited about it um, before they got it, and then you got it, and yeah. people are <laughs> like, okay, cool. Um, what do I do with it now? Uh, so hopefully we'll we'll get more blog posts, more discussion, and uh, oh, I remember one other thing I think was a standout from the domains talk was um, it was sort of related, and we got the discussion started drifting towards streams, I think, and just like patterns and Node in general. And I remember very specifically Matt Ranny from Voxer was saying, and this was before Voxer blew up and became the biggest known Node thing ever in the world's history, and. Uh, in terms of number of people, like number of messages being sent around and all that stuff. And Matt was saying, kind of, it reminds me of like Gandalf a little bit when he was like, uh, you fools in that scene in Lord of the Rings. And Matt was basically trying to do the same thing and warn us that flow control is really important and that slow mobile clients can screw up your entire throughput and writing code that actually does back pressure is something that you do have to care about. And it was really interesting because there were a lot of smart people. There were maybe 30 or 40 people in that talk. And it was 
pretty much just a discussion between everybody there. And most people, I think, hadn't hit that issue, which means a year ago, most people weren't pushing Node to the edge. You know, like right. I think that what Matt was trying to say is if you hit a certain scale with Node, if you're hitting, if you're like maximizing a CPU and you have to start figuring out how to scale it out to multiple, then you will hit things like flow control. It's going to be a natural side effect of actually pushing Node to its limits. And I think at the time, Matt was probably one of the only people doing that who was there. Because most people would say, oh, mobile, mobile clients that are slow and block up I.O., they're just an edge case. And we don't, you know, who cares about writing streaming code? Because that's so much more complex. And it's for this edge case. Like, I don't care about streams. Right. And uh, I think that it's been interesting to watch the community come around to the idea of, sure. oh, it is important to have streaming interfaces for... Uh, slow clients and other use cases that streams are good for. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, coming out of uh, summer camp last year, uh, you know, I, I for one at least thought domains was going to be uh, a, a huge thing and, you know, kind of a theme this year. Um, but I really think that the, the you know, themes this year was was streams and the evolution of streams and, and like that becoming um, just a, a fundamental uh, way of doing Node. Uh, and uh, you know, seeing that involved, and the the entire community really getting uh, behind streams and all the experimentation that's going on right now. Um, you know, we still have uh, um, ways to go to improve streams and, and make that better, and, and you know, uh, even there, um, get everyone's understanding. Um, uh, you know, raise that and and, and uh, evolve that. Um, Max uh, came to to. Uh, Voxer to talk to the, the Summer of Node interns and uh, gave probably the, the best talk on uh, streams that I've heard. Uh, oh, and... thank you. Thanks. <laughs> that means a lot. Hey, and, wait, uh, pause. We have a cat in the room now. I'd just like to say welcome Panzer the cat to uh, Node Up. Panzer's pretty quiet, but I just wanted to announce that. Because the, the, that really uh, goes great on an audio podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe can you, can you put Panzer's face up to the mic? We can maybe... Hi, Panzer. Yeah, not going to say anything. All right, well. Do we need to do another round of row, row, row your boat? Maybe <laughs> the, the cat will join in on that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, excited about streams. Um, one of the, the breakout sessions that I was really excited about last year uh, was the discussion on uh, how um, various organizations were using NPM. Um, that, was a, that was a great session. Um, really learned a lot, uh, gained a lot of perspective, uh, learned about uh, how Nojitsu's handling NPM uh, and, and the, you know, the, the crazy stuff, the crazy and creative stuff that they do to uh, uh, make all the things work. That was really, that was, that was one of my, you know, beyond, you know, the, the bigger community um, discussions, one of my favorite breakout discussions was that NPM discussion. How many modules were in NPM a year ago? Was it like 3,000 or something? Probably around yes, somewhere around there. Yeah, I'd say a few thousand. And we're over twenty now. No, no, no. We're about twelve about or thirteen. Twelve, fourteen thousand. Oh wow, something. Okay, that's crazy. But, so I, th yeah, I think it was quite interesting to hear all of these companies with these like secret shadow NPM repositories, right? right. <laughs> Their secret modules. That <laughs> all right, you jerks, <laughs> hiding things from the internet. So hopefully we'll get into that a little bit more uh, in the in the preview. Um, I'm excited. There's there's some some new upcoming ideas in evolving NPM for business needs uh, that that I hope 
that's one of the, the things that I want to uh, really have a, a discussion on. So getting back to streams, though, I'd right kind of like to solicit people at summer camp to help submit pull requests to this uh, stream handbook I've been putting together because like I don't want to have to write all of that because it kind of ambitious collection of um, sections here just because there's so many of them and like I know uh, Dominic Tar and Reynos wrote a lot of these too so it'd be awesome I know that they're planning on helping me out with it but like other people would be awesome to are both of them coming Dominic is uh, Dominic's not Reynos might be okay I don't remember cool Reynos are you coming <laughs> I know you're on the IRCs. So, yeah, what's, what, is there a URL? GitHub.com slash Substack. Oh, uh, yes, go there. Yeah, the, you know, go through Substack. You'll get to it. Oh, yeah. Right while we're, while we're uh, mentioning GitHub.com slash Substack, the intro music today was actually some JavaScript that Substack wrote to do, correct me if I'm wrong, generative music synthesis. Um, yeah, just to do electronic music with JavaScript. So you write functions, and the functions just get a parameter t that's the time and also a counter variable if you want it. And then you just write like weird, you know, mathy stuff like math.sign of, you know, t times math.pi times 800 will give you a sine wave with frequency of 800 hertz or 400 hertz. I don't exactly recall which one, but <laughs> really? you just mess with it until it sounds good, and then it's awesome. Sweet. Yeah, that was really beautiful. So we're definitely going to be doing some music hacking at summer camp this year. There is a... Uh, a room called the Boogie Barn at Walker Creek Ranch right. that is outfitted with a sound system. And it is an actual barn. It's a really beautiful space. Last year we had a dance party and Tim Caswell blew everyone away with his moves on the dance floor. So uh, this year there will probably be some live kind of node-powered DJing in the Boogie Barn, I would anticipate. Yeah, so um, as a little preview, I've actually started working on, and it almost works, um, an HTTP server version of this audio generation uh, library. So you'll be able to do HTTP put requests with JavaScript in them, and that will become part of the song. And oh, you crazy. Can just delete requests to remove tracks and things. Hmm, nice. Cool. So I want people to just mess with it all evening as it's doing kind of its own thing that's somewhat interesting. But. Right. So, um, any other uh, specific topic, uh, topics that uh, stand out from, from last year? There oh, are yeah. Good things. So, I remember there was a discussion where somebody, maybe it was Substack, was begging on Express. And somebody goes, what's wrong with Express? Oh, it was Matt Ranney. He was like, what is wrong with Express? And we were like, well, I think at the time, not everything in Express used the stuff from streams or it had been recently added. So, you couldn't do streaming requests and responses as easily or something like that. And there were just things about it that I think were too uh, DSL-y. But I think it's got better, actually. I think that, that it hasn't gotten any worse. People seem to ex accept Express more. And in terms of all the competitors, quote-unquote, um, not a lot of them are getting a ton of traction. Right. Because, you know, like, who wants to compete with Express? Well, no one's done it better. So, right. you know, the... The the people who are um, you know spending their days writing modules and doing uh, complex I/O in, in Node are using streams, and so you have this this primitive that we we you know have come upon uh, and sort of agree with the, as a community that that is you know a very compelling way forward, and then you take that and you go back to Express, which is you know. An amazingly fluent uh, API that that um, you know is polished and solid, and you know does so much right. 
but you try to put those two concepts together and you're just like, fuck, how do I, how does, you know, they don't work. The connect is um, completely not that. And uh, I, I had hopes that maybe Express would evolve away from Connect uh, with uh, you know, the, the recent 3.0 release. But there's so much contribution. It's almost like this, this uh, subgroup of, of contributions <laughs> with, with Connect that you know, people have contributed things that, that make their you know, web framework work better yeah. and, and plugged in there. So, you know, in, unless someone comes up with a way to transform or, you know, put a shim around Connect and, you know, make it streamable and, and you know, deal with that very core infrastructure uh, of, of Express, I don't, I don't see that uh, evolving into what some people think it should evolve into. And that would kind of suck, but you know I've got a lot of uh, of love for Express. It's uh, it is for web frameworks probably the best uh, API that I, I've had to work with. And um, what is it? Restify uh, mm-hmm. does a noble job of you know yeah. basically doing it. it does it, it is the Express API done for making uh, REST interfaces. So, you know, the, the next best alternative just basically takes all of the API of, uh, of Express and, you know, ports that to something um, a little bit different under the hood. There's a question in IRC about do you need middleware or not? And without getting too off topic, I think uh, last year this was talked about, I remember, at summer camp. It was like, well... One of the things that sucks, it's a double-edged sword about Express's middleware. Uh, Substack believes that you don't need middleware, by the way. Big surprise. One of the double-edged sword of Express middleware is that it's uh, intuitive, I guess. It's simple because you have a function that you call when you want to go to the next middleware. But then those are synchronous, synchronously executed. Um, whereas the way that Substack's been writing middleware, to speak for him for a second, is you have things... Uh, that you can pipe, do a pipe chain where you pipe your response data or request data through these things that modify the HTTP state, setting the correct headers, calculating content length, gzipping automatically. So there's, I think there's two schools of thought. There's the synchronous, simple, plug-in, kind of rack middleware kind of school of thought. Maybe I, I would argue that those people already knew about middleware before they came into Node, and they have kind of shimmed it on, which there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. And then there's the newer-style peer streaming substackians. And I actually... It's not substackian. I actually just took this idea from Michael, because filed and request both work this way. They um, they actually patched the pipe method and the Mm -hmm. pipe event to figure out what the source stream is and what the destination stream is. Hmm. And they pass through the um, the requests and the response methods, so that you know you do a filed file name dot pipe res, and it sets the e tag and the and the caching stuff for you. So I just took that idea, spun off a response stream, mm-hmm. and then used that to build a presser, which is just a, a gzip deflate compressor that actually looks at the accepting coding headers. So. Um I would argue that uh, um, that streams are the new middleware. Uh, this, this, this is about, 
middleware is a meaningless bullshit word. <laughs> like, so, uh, like, if we're going to use a word, like... Uh, platform. Well, platform. I, uh, <laughs> China market uh, middleware. I don't know about that, because when people say middleware, they, they usually think, you know, connect to middleware, which is this particular method signature that mm -hmm. was popular and still right. is, is pretty popular of, right. you know, request response next. And there's this common convention of how that works, and there's lots of modules that work that way. Right. But that, that would even, like, even greater, uh, you know, go towards this, the, the assertion that I would make, that streams are the new middleware. Like, th those are, are the new uh, connector in the middle of our software. And, you know, there are uh, a bazillion different types of streams. And, you know, I've taken, um, you know, half a terabyte of data and, you know, piped it through a uh, stream to, to break down uh, all our geolocation data and it you know it slows down I didn't I didn't like spread it out over anything but uh, it gets through it and that's amazing like um, that's way more than JavaScript can hold in memory like you couldn't do it technically uh, even if you had uh, the physical memory available to it uh, to allocate that to uh, your JavaScript process so that's amazing. I think it's a hard sell to some people because unless you're dealing with the amount of data that one process can't handle, mm -hmm. if you're above that, you get why it's important. If you're below that, I would ask, why are you using Node? <laughs> you know what I mean? But some people aren't in the same. I don't know. It's kind of yeah, like. I, I don't like the argument that, that like people shouldn't use Express because, like, fuck it, you could use PHP. You know, it's fun to write notes. That's true. It's, it's like it's it's jiffy sniff, and like uh, Express is jiffy sniff too. So you know that is enjoyable, and and building up your Express app, and you know plugging it into uh, your MongoDB with a Redis cache, that's still very gratifying. Um, you you potentially aren't uh, using you know the the craziest. Uh, you know, most bleeding edge potential that Node has, but it's still fun. Yep. It's still an, an enjoyable uh, way to work. So, you know, fuck you. you you've got, you know, uh, half a million connected users, a connect, you know, a million connected users. Uh, good job. Like, great for you. Like, uh, that individual who doesn't have that yet, um, you know, Hopefully they'll get there, and you know maybe um, you know a year down the line when they're getting crushed, uh, they'll need to uh, evolve the platform, uh, do different things. Hopefully they'll they'll have taken to heart some of the, the the principles of building Node programs, and not have made a monolith, but have made a collaborative, uh, you know, multiple process system that that hands off uh, the things to. Um, you know, various sub-processes that, that, that can, can collaborate and coordinate on that. Mm. Um, my biggest concern with, um, with Express is if people start to use Express like Rails and get into um, all your architecture gets passed through that one single server and in order to, you know, maintain state and maintain uh, collaboration and interoperability, um, you know, you, you, you get bottlenecked into um, that one thing. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to do that with Express. That's not its model. But if you're thinking Rails, you could make 
um, you could make an express app behave like a Rails app. And uh, once you get to uh, an inflection point and, and, and get to real scale, uh, you're going to be a world hurt. I think at summer camp, I'm excited for more grown-up, quote unquote, I mean, not by grown-ups, but by grown-up node deployments, discussions about them. Absolutely. Because last year, there was Voxer and a couple others. Nojitsu was really just still spinning up. Mm-hmm. And there, were, there weren't a ton of companies that were there representing kind of, here's what we learned, here's what patterns were really useful to us when we went big, quote-unquote. So it'll be cool. It'll be cool to talk more because Node has grown up a lot in the last year. Well, great. So uh, let's let's take a little break to uh, give a shout out to Clock. Uh, Clock's been a, a sponsor with us for a while, uh, and uh, we're really grateful for their support. Clock's a UK company that uh, creates uh, websites focused on uh, user experience and solid engineering. They are rolling out a bunch of uh, large node implementations for their clients and uh, really doing a great job promoting node and being an advocate of node. Um, the, the node firm just had a, a really great workshop uh, that was a collaboration with Clock. Uh, so they are leading the node revolution and, and, and being a, a strong, active uh, advocate for, for node. They have some great clients like the BBC, uh, Eddie Izzard, uh, the History Channel, and uh, the News Corp. They, um, I believe, uh, have to come to work in bowler hats. It's actually uh, mandatory. Mandatory? Yeah. Mandatory. Uh, high tea is served every day at 4 o'clock. Um, well, and, and middle and low tea. Also. Middle and low tea, right? Okay, yeah, right. Uh, because one cannot have enough tea. Um, yeah, really, they... Great Britain and Clock is keeping this tradition alive. They invented the pregame and the after party. You know, right? We we American partiers. I actually can't speak on behalf of our population. <laughs> I'm not part of them, but I'll pretend I am. They uh, say, Max is not drink. Let's pregame. <laughs> let's pregame at this bar later, or let's let's go to the after party. You know, you hear it in hip hop music, and uh, I said that like a dad on purpose. Um, <laughs> but it just dawned on me that you know. Great Britain has been pre-gaming and post-gaming, after so, partying with tea. All what, what, time. Is, what is the uh, traditional pre-game tea? Ooh. Do you go with a light tea? Do you go with a yeah? Um, I think bre- there's breakfast teas, you know, like breakfast. Okay, uh, and then maybe an Earl Grey at, at high tea, a proper tea, and then uh, a Irish breakfast, or like a digestive tea at the end of the day, maybe. And- it's a, good, it's a good question. I'm more of a coffee guy myself. I can't speak to the tea culture. Maybe even in the, in the pregame, you could have a coffee to wake the fuck up. <laughs> and then, like, at tea time, you, you know, you're, you're there present enough that you, you know, can raise your pinky and, uh, <laughs> you know, do all the fancy thing that one does uh, during tea time. Uh, and, and I enjoy. think one, one thing you're missing about tea time is that the, uh, the cakes and the snacks are also very, very integral oh, to the entire experience. Yeah. Sugar rush. Have you guys ever had clotted cream? I haven't. That doesn't so, sound good. Cl- no, clotted cream uh, may not sound good. It is the best thing in the world. Hmm. So clotted cream is this like very unique take on um, like whipped cream, but in I like I, it's like a cross between uh, whipped cream and like sour cream, but very sweet. Huh. And you 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 uh, put it on uh, your scones with jam, and it is amazing. Like 
I could eat clotted cream all day long and I would get really fat. But uh, it is, it is um, if you ever have the opportunity to, to go to clock and join them for their <laughs> proper high tea, make sure they bring the clotted cream. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, so, they're just outside of London, if you're over in the neighborhood. Yep. So uh, be sure to follow Clock on Twitter. They're at Clock. Uh, they are on the web at clock.co.uk and can be reached uh, with the emails uh, at hello at clock.co.uk. Thank you, Clock. So uh, summer camp, it starts in two days. Yes, before summer camp, there's Wiener Nationals tomorrow. Very excited it's about a, that. It's a week of amazing events here in the Bay Area. Wiener Nationals is an invitational dachshund race that's held at a horse racing track in Berkeley. Uh, that's actually, it's not invitational. Anybody can bring their dachshunds. So that's going to be tomorrow, Monday. Uh, it's invitational if you're on Gather. It is on, yeah, it'll be invitational if you're friends with me on Twitter. You'll get a push notification about it. But uh, this week is going to overwhelm me and everyone else, I think. It's going to be the ultimate week of events between riding a bus with a bunch of noters through it. Like every time we go up to the summer camp, people get carsick because it's a windy road and you're on a huge bus and you don't look forward. You're always like sitting sideways talking to the person across the, the way from you. By the time we get to summer camp, it's going to be crazy. I also want to drop that Substack and I and uh, Johnny, who is Johnny Script uh, on IRC, he also lives in Oakland. We've been building a boat, the SS Jeffersniff. And nice. uh, James been asking about that. Depending on how waterworthy we can get it, uh, it may or may not make an appearance at summer camp. There's a lake there. Are there estuaries and, and streams that you can use to arrive at the uh, Walker Creek Ranch? There's going to be, a, we're going to put on uh, this big white van that me and Michael rent every year. We're just going to like tie it to the top. But we have uh, acquired some shuttle parts from a model shuttle that we're going to use to complete our boat. Hopefully, as in the, as in the space as shuttle. As in the space shuttle. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's not. It's not the one that went into space. It's on a scale model of a space shuttle. But we're going to use that, the nose cone, to make the front of the boat. No way. So um, we're going to try to like a sixty-fourth, maybe the size. Yeah, uh, bigger than that. Okay. You know. Um, I would say like a thirty, a one thirty-two scale. Made out shuttle. of pure asbestos. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so we're going to try to get that seaworthy here in the next few days and uh, launch the SS Jeffersniff at summer camp. Wow. So we'll see if it works. How much duct tape to have you used? No duct tape yet, actually, uh, which is maybe the problem. That's probably why it doesn't float. Yeah. <laughs> More so duct tape. We'll get it. We'll get it there. Awesome. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how we're going to be able to follow, the, follow those wiener races and have a... a, a you know, a, an event worthy of uh, of standing up to that. Um, oh, yeah. I actually, I think I'm going to to bring the kids tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be amazing! Event. Wiener Nationals event of the year after a summer camp, of course. So uh, we're going to get there. We'll hang out uh, and uh, get into um, some basically unconference sessions on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, one of the the Topics that I'm really excited to to resolve is um, uh, private NPMs. Mm. Um, this is you know uh, both of you guys uh, deal primarily with uh, modules that are uh, open source. Um, 
But you know, having some uh, private model modules that you want to um, maintain and version and and Shadow NPM is a, I think important for enterprise adoption. If I'm going to throw down a buzzword, yeah, uh, like it, it it feels enterprise and, and fucking like the the, the proposals. Uh, you know, remind me a lot of Maven, which makes me feel dirty and shameful. <laughs> but I think if we want to have Node evolve to, uh, you know, let, let's not even go enterprisey. Just companies that are building products on Node, and you know, how do you how do you manage that? Yeah. Um, the the best answer, the, the, the fantastic answer, how do you manage your modules is npm. It just works. Um, and I'd love to find a way to to do that same. It just works with um, with private modules. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of development. This is a slightly different take on the space. Uh, JavaScript for mobile apps, and there's the PhoneGap projects. And the PhoneGap project is very much where Node modules were in 2008 or nine where there's like a GitHub repo for them all, and you have to send a pull request, and it was pre-NPM. And remember that wiki page on the joint wiki that has all the modules in it? It's kind of still there. And uh, one project I'm going to release soon that I've been working on is called NPM Hijacker. And it basically is a tutorial and some code on how to write your own command line utility to do things like NPM install, but you could make it custom to non-node modules, but you're just using NPM as the transport mechanism. So for instance, I'm running it for um, PhoneGap. So PhoneGap is like, okay, let's install a module and then it's going to download Java files and move the Java files into a folder structure into some existing repo, um, or it'll download Objective-C and it'll edit an Xcode project and it'll add attributes to plist files. And NPM, the client obviously won't do that stuff, but Isaac has actually said publicly many times that he doesn't care what people put on NPM. Um, the issues there are that you're sharing a namespace with everybody else, so you can't have jQuery for a browser-side client manager because there's already a jQuery for Node jQuery that uses JS DOM. So mm. if you do NPM install jQuery, you're going to get the jQuery for Node. You're not going to get the jQuery for the client if somebody uses a client-side package manager like what Ender.js did. Oh, right. So that's one issue that people bring up. I don't actually think that matters. You know, the internet has had battles over names and, you know. I, I think namespacing and, and, and names are going to become um, an issue. You know, I, I've been... Do you uh, think it's an issue? I, I think it's going I, to become an issue. Like, it's, it's approaching uh, issue level and, you know, it's, it's starting, like, if you want a decent uh, name without a bunch of crap in it, um, you know, Substack's already taking like a thousand names, and uh. <laughs> I, I have a system for naming also. It oh, works wow. pretty well. Yeah. There's, if you get creative, there's a lot of names. There's like a lot of possible names. There, you know, twenty six to the power of n letters mm -hmm. gives you a lot of names that aren't being used. Yeah, but, and some of them are even like partly English words. So. <laughs> <laughs> NPM install five nine three g g g f b. The name issue is one issue. The other one, and this is much more minor, is that the folder will always be, and I can quote Isaac because I talked about them this week on it, will always be called node modules, quote, the ship has shailed, un sailed, unquote. <laughs> it, the module, it's not going to be named the module folder. You're not going to be able to con like 
edit the name of the folder name if you're not using Node and you want the modules folder name, name something else. And it's always going to be called package.json. So if you can deal, here's the three requirements for using NPM for non-Node packages. If you can deal with sharing the namespace with everybody else using NPM for module names, if you can deal with the folder be calling node modules, and if you could deal with package.json, then just use NPM for your dependency management. So what I'm trying to do is do the PhoneGap install, like on the command line, PhoneGap install status bar notifications, and then you'll get this Java thing that puts little Android status bar notifications in your project. That'll install from NPM, and it can depend on other things, and then it'll just be configured to be able to do the custom stuff for mobile development that you have to do after you download the source code. I actually would love to see more people adopting NPM. You know, as opposed to setting up shadow NPMs, just adopt NPM as the distribution platform, but just mask it with your own custom functionality that the NPM command line client doesn't do. So NPM Hijacker will be a tutorial on how to do that. But I think NPM is, has hit some growing pains this year. Um, another thing that I know is coming down the pipeline for setting up private NPMs is Jason from Iris Couch is going, that's one of his ideas is to be able to host NPMs for people. So there will be a hosted, you know, the same NPM infrastructure that hosts npmjs.org, you'll be able to rent your own private NPM. And it, it's getting pretty stable. Every time NPM goes down, Jason does a postmortem and has been, it's getting pretty good. But, you know, at some point, one database for tens of thousands and gigabytes of projects and modules and stuff, you know, it's going to get too big. So NPM is hitting some growing pains. Mm -hmm. There's the need for private NPMs. But at the same time, if NPM can scale out, there's no reason other communities can't use NPM for their packages too. So it's going right. to be an exciting year ahead, I think, for NPM growing. And I, I think uh, I, I, I would even be interested in having a, a, a quote-unquote um, private NPM with a, an SLA so I could have you know access or you know reserved access to all the modules that that I care about in public space oh, yeah. and have an SLA around that, um, but still uh, that does not satisfy the the need of uh, being able to manage and control your own code in house sure. and um, you know having you know full privacy and and, and you know not being able to uh, you know. Um, you know, not having to worry about that being, you know, slipped out through, uh, you know, some oversight. Um, well, so, I mean, you use private GitHub repos, right? Which yes. Is kind of the same idea. And yeah. it's all on the same platform. And you just don't really realize it, I don't think, anymore. Right. I mean, it's it's okay until you're, you know, you're trying to... Uh, pin down. It's like it's not as good as as using npm. It's it's usable, uh, especially if you're just um, you know just pointing to that and it doesn't evolve very much. But if if those modules are evolving uh, and you need to um, to deploy different versions of um, your architecture to different things, you know you have very large software. Uh, Installations and, and you know other different processes doing different things and using different evolutions of uh, of your modules. Um, I I think it needs to be better. I don't think that that, that is sufficient. Um, updating updating and you know keeping uh, either your version um, pinned to a, an older version or um, you know uh, even just uh, npm updates. 
um, you know, gets gets messy. Got it. So. Actually, I want to talk about npm shrink wrap. What's which, that? Uh, sh- npm shrink wrap. Which what is npm shrink wrap? This new enlightenment. <laughs> well, so my my take on it, and I could be totally wrong on this, but this is how I try to use it, and there's not, I don't think, enough support for it because, uh, like, when I anyway, so like. People just hard code version numbers in their package JSON file right now to be able to kind of lock down what version of modules they're using, which I don't like doing because then it's hard for me to figure out when I can upgrade those modules. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I like doing is just putting throwing star in there, honestly, which everyone tells me not to do, and then um, installing the modules I want and like getting a good install and getting it working and then running an npm shrink wrap which then gives me like exactly which modules I have installed and committing that into my into my repo. So then when someone else checks it out and then runs install it'll install exactly the modules I had along with all of those dependencies all the way down the chain. Um, and so does I don't I does shrink wrap modify your package json and rewrite your dependencies? No, mm-hmm. no, leaves leaves package json totally alone. It just writes out another file called npm-shrinkwrap.json, I think, that is okay. your dependency tree. Um, and it just trusts in that when it doesn't install. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I was uh, helping someone debug a uh, issue with uh, Socket.io Redis store, and uh, he had a mismatch of Redis's, uh, and there was uh, an instance of check uh, in Redis store that... Uh, that mismatch was somehow failing the the instance of uh, evaluation, and uh, it, uh, it was failing. So it, it, it never use instance of <laughs> ever. I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> so no knockout. No knockout is uh, coming uh, soon to a uh, very long weekend uh, near you. Um, <laughs> I think it is sometime in November. November tenth uh, through twelfth, UTC time. And um, uh, so registration is open slash full. Um, so we keep releasing more spots uh, every day at zero UTC and twelve UTC. Um, what is that in Pacific time? In Pacific time, that's five AM and five PM, I believe. If we're in daylight time right now, it could shift actually pretty soon. Um, so if if you're just hearing about registration opening up for Node Knockout and you're like, God damn it, I didn't get a team, then just go there at those times and you'll probably still be able to get in. Um, and you'll just see the thing change from registration is full to a big register button. Uh, Substack, are you actually competing this year? I didn't see you yet. I am already on a team and everything. Oh, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Do you guys already have a concept? Oh, yes. It's so awesome. We'll have to wait and see. Oh, no preview. Excellent. No preview. All right. Uh, I'm not going to back. There's the teaser on their page is using streams for great justice. So, is Pete Krumman going to be on your team again this year? Um, I don't know. All right. Cool. So, yeah, I was talking to uh, uh, Danny Coates uh, this week, and uh, no knockout one. Thank you very much. Uh, no knockout one basically is the reason why I'm here today. Uh, after doing uh, no knockout uh, the first year, I decided that um, I wanted to work on Node full time, and uh, that I enjoyed it too much, and uh, which eventually you know brought me to move out to to San Francisco. Uh, I'm super stoked that 
Um, you know, there are uh, jobs working on Node outside of San Francisco now, and you can, uh, you know, uh, do your passion uh, and get paid for it too. So that's killer. Uh, uh, so, um, let's take so, some calls. Let's take some calls. Fuck it. Uh, I'm uh, <laughs> excited to get, to, to get the calls. Um, Craig, are, are we ready for this thing? Internet, are you ready for this? Uh, get uh, everyone queued up for uh, for live questions. Oh yeah, so, PM, PM CJM. Yeah, CJM yeah. in Note Up right now. He's there. PM him your Skype no. Skype things, or if you're interested on calling, PM him. If you're listening to this uh, in playback, you should join us on IRC uh, live if, if you have a chance. Uh, it's a lot of fun and. Uh, uh, if this does not go in down in flames, <laughs> uh, we will try this again because uh, you know it's good to get different voices, different perspectives on the show. Um, also, I just uh, brought a banjo and gave it to Substack, so we're gonna have some ambient banjo music during our questions. Uh, so, um, Sean Clark, I assume that's how you pronounce uh, your first name, Sean. It's actually Kian. Hey, how's Kian. it going? Oh, oh fail. Uh, <laughs> Not to worry. <laughs> I thought I was being fancy. Uh, Kian, Kian Clark, uh, welcome to Node Up. Thanks Kian, for uh, Kian of uh, Node Dublin, the most uh, artfully represented Node conference of the year. No, that's another Kian. There's actually two oh, Kians. Damn it! <laughs> damn it all! <laughs> so, how many Kians are there? <laughs> so there's Kian O'Madine, who's Node Dublin, and I'm Kian Clark. Oh, okay. Another fail. <laughs> it's totally new name to us, and like wow. we thought we'd. Uh... Yeah, I figured there's one. There's got to be one Kian, but there's two. Wow. Okay. There's actually a third. There's some dude from what? a boy band called Westlife. Don't know if you guys have heard of him, but he spells it the wrong way, so he doesn't count. Wow. <laughs> there you go, Ireland fact of the day. That's awesome. So what's what's on your mind, Kian? Well, besides this pronunciation of my name. Let's go with testing frameworks. Um, okay. wow. So I was listening to last week's episode with, uh, with much interest and you know you guys have already talked plenty on, on test frameworks a whole hour of a show. Um, right. So maybe you're bored of testing frameworks but let's go with it anyway. Um, so I've, I've used Expresso, I've used Mocha, I've used Vows, I've used ZombieJS and I found that none of them really suit. Um, I've gone through a whole bunch of testing frameworks and keep coming across the same problems. You know the, the kind of barrier to entry of having to learn how to how to write tests using the, the Mocha style or the Espresso style is just, you know, quite an overhead. And I know right. Mocha has this really rich feature set and it's, it's kind of coming like becoming the de facto standard for Node tests. But right. I, I just find it too complex. Um, and another thing I've come across is there's so many open source projects out there using, you know, a whole variety of different test frameworks. So if I want to contribute, you know, I write a new feature, well and good, and then I go ahead and, and test that new feature. Um, I've, I've got to learn the style of this new framework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned should uh, because I was contributing to Sakadeo, and that sucked. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And you know, mm. if, if I want to contribute to a new project, I've got to. Chances are, I might have to learn a new de declaration style or learn how, how how to integrate with a new reporter. Um, and you know, people have pretty strong opinions on which test framework is best. Um, so I've kind of come to a conclusion on testing frameworks as well, and I'm just wondering if there's much of a support out there for this concept. So there's this, uh, this module in Node you might have heard of called Assert, 
And it actually does really good tests. It's strange, you know, because like all the testing frameworks out there are obviously implementing assert at some level. But I found that, you know, writing tests using assert and just raw JavaScript works really well. So typically I've got like some interfaces in my main.js file um, and I can use that as an integration test. Mm. Um, I've got, you know, some, some lib directory with a bunch of files and each file gets its own file in the test directory that maps to a unit test. Uh, again, using raw JavaScript. And then when things get kind of complicated, let's say we've got a whole bunch of pu public APIs um, that we want to test asynchronously so that we're not waiting for the test runner to finish, you know, five minutes later. Uh, well, you know, you use the async module in your code, so why don't you use it in your tests? Just bring in async, uh, write your own runner, of course, in raw JavaScript that calls your array of tests in your tests directory using async. Uh, and then you've got the problem of reporting. Uh, well, JavaScript has this really neat function. Uh, some of you may heard called console.log, and it actually makes a really good <laughs> 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 You're done. NPM in the scripts section of NPM test, and you have unit tests in JavaScript, um, not using test frameworks. So I guess the kind of you know the, the conclusion here is: could people stop building test frameworks uh, and either decide on one or just write them in JavaScript? Well, why haven't you published yours yet? Sounds like you've got a uh, framework there. <laughs> I think it's JavaScript, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think but it's all just JavaScript. You've really introduced the the debate, the yeah. the underlying Absolutely. debate to most debates in Node. Node I think right. um, is the framework or no framework yep. debate, and I totally agree. This I've actually done the exact same thing using async. In in fact, and uh, I would say. In arguments like this or debates like this, it's good to establish that um, Marco Rogers said this best. Like most arguments boil down to how comfortable with abstraction are you? And if you were to map out every programmer in the world, they'd fall along this spectrum of comfortable with high levels of abstraction, DSLs, really readable code, or they really like low level where your tests just read just like your implementation. And so I'm personally at the very bottom level. I like to. I actually, I feel like writing tests help me hone my code writing skills in general. And you did point out that one of the benefits of writing um, async testing code is that your test suite runs really fast and uses Node's capability of handling multiple things at, a, at the same time. So I, I enjoy writing tests in the same style and using the same modules as writing my normal code. And you're right, right like if you have a module like async or like any of the many other ones, or if you keep a counter and you're Say you have to run 10 functions and wait for them all to return or call a callback, and then you want to report the results of all of those, what those 10 functions returned. There's 400 ways to do that on NPM. You could install many modules. You could write it yourself. But at the end of the day, you're going to be waiting for a bunch of callbacks to get called, and then you're going to want to report on them. Or you let them all report themselves or something. But you don't really need a framework to do that. And that's kind of the issue. There's too many. It's such a simple problem that there's too many modules to do it, and people get into this mindset where they feel like they have to try out all 400 or they don't know <laughs> if they're using the one that everybody else uses. Right. But in reality, what I've been telling people lately is just write it in a, write it in a naive way. R like Use your own counter. It'll add, adding a module, installing a module is going to be at least four lines. Mm -hmm. But keeping a counter is going to be maybe six lines. So it doesn't, you know, var zero or var counter equals zero. Each test that you start adds one. Each time a test finishes, it removes one. Each time it errors, it removes one. And then when there's when your counter is zero again, you just log out all the results. You know, it's not the most complicated algorithm in the world, but it's it's interesting to watch people. 
I think it's a bike shed issue. People yeah. will release these testing frameworks because it is such a small problem space mm -hmm. um, that you get a ton of modules that people come up with their own little API, their own little DSL, their own way of doing things. And that's why we have so many testing modules. It's the same with flow control. It's the same, you know, you see it a lot in, in Node on certain topics. There's like five topics that are in the majority of NPM modules probably. Mm -hmm. So I don't yeah. know how we, as a community, get people to stop using frameworks, but I think, I, I think that maybe there's a missed um, piece of education where people think that you need to use a framework when in reality they don't realize that all most of these frameworks are doing is keeping a counter for them. Have, have you tried uh, TAP? Curious to see if the uh, sort of no, one that's of one of the few I haven't tried. You raised an interesting point there yes. as well, which is so, you know when you go to use a, a testing framework, you're probably going to end up writing quite a bit of, of code in, in that framework's te declarative style anyway. Um, I mean, something I found was that when I was writing um, a runner in in Mocha or using Mocha's runner, um, I ended up writing more code to kind of work around you know something so the use of the runner than I did writing my own hand-rolled test runner that used async, you know, the, the, the actual count of lines of code in the test directory was much less. So it's, it's funny, really, you know, JavaScript testing in plain JavaScript almost makes it simpler, even though, you know, you're using all of these advanced features of a runner. So Yeah, I've talked to multiple people that are, that are writing wrappers for Mocha. It's like, <laughs> what? Mocha, Mocha is amazingly complicated, and it dumps a bunch of things into your namespace, like Jasmine does, and it has to have this really complicated way of tracking which functions are bound to sort of which tests, which is really complicated. Um, I would definitely second the recommendation to look at TAP. Um, so doing raw asserts is, is pretty good. I mean, it's certainly better than having no tests, and it's certainly better than, I would say, a lot of testing harnesses, which I don't like. Um, but one thing that you do get with testing harnesses is the ability to uh, catch a lot of false positives. So for instance, if you write code and you forget to fire the callback and your test just goes all the way through and it exits with a zero status, um, then that will be a false positive. And your test, you know, the callback won't have actually fired, so you, you haven't actually tested anything. So that can be a big trap in using raw asserts. And that's something that these test harnesses ideally should be solving for you. Of course, they, they I think, tend to overextend themselves. Right. and tackle things that aren't really problems and just get in your way. But yeah, definitely look at tap, look at other tiny things like that that act more like libraries that you can just, you know, run the scripts with node directly. I'd say that that's a better way to go. Although that's actually I a good point too, because like the only negative that I've come across in using raw JavaScript is the case you just described there exactly, the the, the kind of false positives. Um, and it was exactly that, you know, callback not being called and the whole stack just jumping up and saying yes, all is fine. Um, nothing was actually being asserted upon, and the test succeeded when, you know, obviously it didn't. So that's that's kind of the one downside I have come across. So yeah, I must check out TAP. I also think if you can't write a test suite without getting into callback hell, it also means you can't write a module or any other JavaScript code without getting into callback yeah. hell, and that's part of learning Node, is how to avoid that. And there's callbackhell.com for some useful tips. Shameless plug. Uh, it's not really a plug because I there's my name isn't on the site and I don't I only wrote it to point people to it to stop answering the question in IRC. <laughs> but you know, like address like if you learn how to overcome callback hell, if it involves using modules, if it involves 
uh, just changing your coding style. There's a bunch of solutions to it, but if you fix your your problem with callback hell, you'll probably fix your complaint with not having to use a test framework. That's what I would guess. Yeah, there's very little uh, conceptual overhead in uh, in writing tap, and the beautiful thing is that you can just run your your test file with Node, and I think that's awesome. Like, you don't need uh, you can use the the tap test runner, or you just like execute it with Node, and uh, you're good to go. I kind of feel like I should be contributing some banjo. Is 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 giving giving us all we ever asked for? <laughs> can we, can we need a next caller to be a dueling banjo. banjo. Are we gonna have like a little jam session here? I'm afraid that's about the limit of my banjo skills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have dueling to banjo. Much. <laughs> oh, this is amazing! Wow. Substack on the banjo. Unfortunately, that's also the limit of mine. <laughs> that's awesome. Camp. This has to be the most random episode of Node Up ever. Never <laughs> <laughs> random. We, we, well, yeah, <laughs> the first principle. But uh, when we when we decided to go take calls, uh, I knew it was going to get wild and crazy. I did not expect awesome music to be the outcome. And a conclusion on testing frameworks. All right. Well, to, to summer camp. Uh, yes, I will be there. Max will be there. I think you're gonna bring the banjo with the question. Oh, uh, sure. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. I was also gonna bring that uh, audio thing that I was talking about. So we'll have crazy music stuff. Banjos and computers. Happening. All right, guys. Uh, so I think we had uh, one more caller, but uh, he we went long. So I've got a surprise for whoever's still here. Um, I have a summer camp ticket available. Ooh. Um, Banjo contest. <laughs> so if you're still around and you can show up, you have to show up, then I will uh, give you this ticket. If you have a banjo, that will help. <laughs> You have a band, and like if you come on live now on Note Up and can play dueling banjos, so no, we're not gonna do that far. Uh, so I would like to uh, to give that to someone who can. Uh, Is there just gonna be come. first person to claim it? Is what you're. Uh, first person to submit a module to. Uh, <laughs> Oh, another Oaklander is going to come on. I so, see Ryan. Uh, I see Ryan, are you going to get on? Yeah, if we can get Kian out here, uh, if Kian shows up in the Bay Area next week, he's coming to summer camp. Let's put it that way. Right. Yeah, you should just, like, show up. <laughs> yes, just fly out tomorrow. No big deal. Yeah, no. There's actually, actually, if you can, uh, there's a bunch of people in, in Ireland for FunConf, and if you can uh, hide in one of their bags, they're all coming back. That's right. Uh, yeah, grab uh, Michael or Isaac on the way back and uh, hide in their backpacks. Right? It's the waiting music. <laughs> Hello? Whoa. Hello, Ryan. Ryan. What up? 
Hey guys, how's it going? I heard that that there was a uh, a note camp ticket available. That's true. This Correct. is the truth. Awesome. Um, well, what can I do? Uh, what's the challenge? Is there a challenge? I brought a guitar, but not a banjo. So. Oh, all right, all right. The challenge accepted. Uh, guitar uh, seems like uh, totally appropriate. Play a little. All right. Uh, let me see what we got here. Brian, no! Thank you for the node. <laughs> awesome. I'm riffing a song up right now. Sweet. Oh. Well, I wish I knew some more chords. That's about all I got. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. Ryan, you're in the Bay Area, right? Yeah, yeah. Living in Oakland. Oh, yeah. Sunny Oakland, California. We are uh, over on the other side of Lake Mary from you right now, I think. Oh, uh, great. Cool. Cool. Yeah. It's uh, great to have such a, uh active node community in Oakland. I'm surprised there aren't more um, uh, other than Gather, other little startups popping out out here. You know, Michael uh, said that he met the guy at Engine Yard. Engine Yard just made a big node announcement um, that they're going to start doing node hosting. And the guy that runs that for Engine Yard lives on a boat. I kid you not, in a boat in Jack London Square. Crazy. Wow. <laughs> so we're going to have to add him to our, uh, our hacker group here. Uh, yeah. Also, if you want to come by my warehouse later and build boats, me and Substack are going to be here all afternoon. Awesome. Cool. All right. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll follow up with that uh, off air. So uh, yeah. is Ryan getting the, the ticket to summer camp? Is that what's going on? I, I haven't heard any guitar yet. Well, he did. He played well, he a couple did. chords. But do it again. Ready. Let me see if I got a couple more notes here. <laughs> see what I can squeeze out of this thing. Uh, holding onto the phone with one hand. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Bring that to summer camp. Bring that to the uh, yeah. play and stream or die and like. <laughs> nice. nice. Awesome. All right, Ryan. Well, uh, I will uh, get you wired in and uh, talk to Michael and uh, make sure that that happens. Thanks for coming on. See you. All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah. We're like a real radio show now. I know, right? And prizes and like our own Oprah moments. So uh, I think that about does it. Uh, let's go through some some plugs. Um, I am uh, putting together the Summer of Node uh, 2012. Um, I've had a couple uh, people uh, reach out to me um, considering doing a larger cross-functional team uh, and uh, inviting some. Android and iOS developers to come in and, and work uh, at Voxer and uh, own a, a feature and have a, a really special collaborative experience. Um, if you go to our Twitter account, Summer of Node.js, uh, on the Twitters, uh, you can watch an amazing video that uh, uh, this year's class put together, and uh, it, it, was, it was a really special time. We had lots of fun uh, and uh, learned a lot. Uh, so uh, if you're interested, 
uh, summer of no js at voxer.com or you know get in touch with me through any way on the internet and I will get you wired into that. Sweet. Max? Um, I already plugged Wiener Nationals, the dachshund races tomorrow if you're in the Bay Area. Um, that's my main plug. My other plug is this week um, I have a, an app that I write with Michael that runs on mobile phones and I'm trying to make Socket.io work on Android and iOS browsers back through time, all the Androids and all the iOSs. But um, I've been working on taking Square's Socket Rocket WebSocket iOS library and writing a WebSocket polyfill for it so you could use it in embedded web views. But I don't have as much in the Java world. So if there are any Java developers out there listening, I would love some help writing a WebSocket secure plugin uh, if you know a Java implementation of the WebSocket Secure protocol, basically WebSockets over TLS, you should help out. This is a critical issue for real-time apps on the Android platform. So uh, WebSocket, I was actually talking with Dan recently about why you need WebSocket Secure on mobile. And if you use WebSocket Secure, you basically get to bust through all the cache-busting stupidness. Or you, you all the proxies, sorry, yeah. bad mobile proxies that don't, forward WebSockets, normal WS colon slash slash. If you right. use WSS colon slash slash, you get through all the dumb proxies on the internet. So there's not a good Java WebSocket secure module that I can find. So if anybody out there knows how I can um, write a little plugin to use a Java WebSocket secure thing, hit me up. That's my only plug off the top of my head. Um, so, me? Oh, uh, so, so mostly, I guess you can contract me nowadays. Um, I and the guy, other so me and Jared run Node Knockout, um, and we've had a consulting shop uh, for I don't know two and a half years now. Um, we are actually spitting that down, um, and so I am becoming more of a low and gun type of guy doing random contracting. So if you want to hire me, contact me. Sweet, Rad. Vishnu has a great cat and a great dog, also. So he he's very more contractable because of those things. Substack, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you got? So I'm going to put some music on for my part because it's awesome. So the first thing I want to plug is the intro music and the music that I was playing a little bit earlier. So this is actually a JavaScript program. It's not too long. It uses this library I wrote called Bodio, and we're going to be running this at summer camp. And uh, also send me chapters for the stream handbook if you have a particular area of expertise or just want to hack something out and just write about important stuff, um, that's on GitHub at github.com slash substack slash stream handbook. And then also, um, my, my own startup, browserling.com, you can test uh, your website in all of the awful browsers like IE7 and whatever that you don't want to ever have to install locally. Um, we're actually coming out with a CI server thingy soon that will let you take your Node.js tests for like packages on NPM and actually run those directly in browsers. So that'll be pretty awesome. Yeah. You can set up GitHub uh, post commit hooks for it and everything. That'll be coming out soon. Sweet. Great. So uh, thanks everybody for listening and uh, participating in this experiment. Um, follow uh, NodeUp on the Twitters. Uh, subscribe on the iTunes. And uh, let us know what you think. 
it was a, a crazy show, but I think we had fun, and uh, hopefully it was useful. Um, and uh, I hope I will see a lot of you uh, this week at summer camp. Oh yeah, see you.